Hey guys, TJ Leffler here. I just want to say thank you for joining. And I want to let you know that you're in the right place if you want to get back to basics so you can get more out of life by doing less than you think. We're going to cover a lot of different things in this episode, but I want you to know that the most important thing you can do is to remove the ideas that you have about the things you're about to listen to, okay? I want you to approach this episode like a child. What can you learn from this experience? I've gone through a deep awakening. I've hired professional help. You're going to hear from multiple people throughout the course of season two, all through my voice and the notes that I've taken and the process that I've gone through, okay? I want you to be able to take this and make it practical and actually apply change to your life. So all that requires is for you to just have an open hand as you listen, all right? I love you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Also, I forgot to mention that I accidentally wrote a book, and I mean that genuinely. We were trying to create a guide for what you're listening to, and I wrote too much. So we created a book, and it's awesome. It's going to be online at corepillars.com, C-O-R-E-P-I-L-L-A-R-S.com or tjloffler.com. Highly recommend as a gift or just checking it out if it's something that you want to come back to because you like what you listen to. Thank you guys again for being here. I appreciate you. The topic today is anxiety. Hey guys, TJ Loeffler coming to you from Huntington Beach, California. Yes, I moved across the country from New York City, my home of six and a half years, I got married and a whole lot of other things have happened in the last 14 months since my last podcast episode. I want to first say thank you to everybody who was listening last season. I appreciate you guys for the feedback, for the encouragement, and even the suggestions for the episodes this season, which is why I'm starting with anxiety. If you're not on my email list already, tjloeffler.com, you can sign up, get a free book rec for an improved mindset, better habits, along with some other free, valuable, very powerful resources, videos, et cetera, that are going to help you on your way to a winning mindset, help you not just win in your life, but in your career and other aspects. I'm here to really, for one reason, and and this episode especially, help you find more freedom and that breakthrough that you've been looking for, that unlock that you've been looking for. I truly believe in the work I'm doing and coaching and speaking. I truly believe that People find that freedom when they are giving themselves permission and are open to receiving it. So with this episode especially, I hope you guys can find your permission for yourself to find freedom from something as taxing, something as draining, and something as even crippling and paralyzing for some people as anxiety. And with that, let's get to it, okay? I want to talk about first the clinical side of anxiety. And then I want to get to the anecdotal stuff, the stuff that comes from my life story and the stories of clients that I've been working with without obviously sharing any names. But just generally speaking, I want to talk about some common patterns and characteristics that I've seen. Finally, we'll touch on things that you can be doing to overcome it. We don't just want you to stay in the headspace that you're in, especially when it comes to anxiety. We're looking for us to make progress and move towards the person that we want to be. So With that, the American Psychological Association defines anxiety as an emotion characterized by feelings of tension, worried thoughts, and physical changes like increased blood pressure. Now, one of the most interesting points about this is that I actually did an episode on worry in the first season, and anxiety was actually the number one most requested episode for this season. Now, I say that because worry is really just to me a lower level example of anxiety. In other words, Worry is a part of anxiety or or persistent, pervasive worry causes what we would call 
a more severe case of anxiety, a more severe case of worry, that is anxiety. And so I thought it was interesting because I already spoke about worry, but it's clear that in this generation, in our time, in the place in the world that we're in, it's clear that anxiety is a word that people wrestle with. It's a word that they resonate with. And I want to talk about how, you know, first laying the foundation that it's not anxiety that's the problem, but it's our perception and our response to anxiety that's actually the problem. I want to talk about not just the symptoms of anxiety, but also our power over it. If we think about anxiety as an overactive alarm system that our brain has triggered, saying, oh no, this situation means that I need to panic, I need to have worry, I need to be fearful, I need to be in, and we'll talk about this in the physical aspects of it, fight or flight or freeze mode. If we think about how our brain has been trained to react to things that aren't threatening as though they are threatening, we can then start to rewire how our brain has been trained. But first, we must be open to the fact that our brain can be retrained. Our brain can be rewired, mainly through the use of our mind. If you want to read more about the difference between your brain and your mind, I would suggest going and picking up Dr. Caroline Leaf's material. She's got great information about how our mind actually affects our brain. This is more on the scientific side and new research proving things that we've already been able to identify through, I'll call it the non-scientific methods of treating anxiety or rewiring our brain to not react under certain scenarios, instances, pressure points that we might face as though it is a threat when it's not actually a threat. So let's talk about what it might look like for the lower level forms of anxiety, the signs of anxiety that we might feel, sense, or see in our life today. Racing or pounding heartbeat, headaches, sweating profusely, sleep problems, insomnia, chronic fatigue, upset stomach, inability to think clearly, non-active muscle tension. These are all different examples of anxiety persistent over time where people are not able to break free from the mentality that keeps them in that state. Now let's talk about what it looks like in the physical state of anxiety. In today's world, we're faced with much different pressures than generations of the past. What's interesting about this is that unlike breaking your leg and being in a cast and recognizing that we need time and space to heal and our lifestyle must change if we want that healing, anxiety doesn't have that same obvious effect for most of us. And when I say most of us, I'm talking about the people who are not struggling with obsessive compulsive disorder or are not struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. I'm talking about the people with lower levels of anxiety that cause these signs and symptoms that I mentioned earlier. Now, physically, how this takes place is because we have this lower level anxiety that's going unaddressed, our biology or physiologically, chemically, hormonally, there are variations getting to a similar point of physically, 
our body responds to these so-called threats that aren't actually threats by moving from what's called parasympathetic tone to sympathetic tone. Now, what that means is we move from rest or digest state to fight or flight or freeze state. Now, if you think about the amount of time in a day, 24 hours, and let's assume that you're sleeping for eight of those hours, which most of you probably aren't. Most of you are probably sleeping for less than eight hours. If you're like me in the previous life, you know, I try to get eight now, seven and a half to eight now, but prior life, I was at the five, five and a half mark. And I was just operating from an unhealthy place, not helping my body, not supporting my body, which was keeping me in that cycle, vicious cycle of lower level anxiety. When you're in that fight or flight state and you're not supporting your body to let it know that it's okay, that it doesn't need to be under anxiety, that it's not under threat, that it doesn't need to be under pressure, that it has space for recovery your body is going to be in an intense state of what's called sympathetic tone for prolonged periods of time. Again, back to the 24-hour day and eight hours a day sleeping, your body might be in that sympathetic tone from the time you wake up and bombard yourself with 100 people walking into your bedroom, asking for different things, showing you different things, laughing at different things, i.e. your phone, to the time you go to bed when you have 100 people in your bedroom, and they may be a hundred new people asking you different things, requesting different things, telling you different things. And your mind doesn't have that time, that space to say, okay, I'm actually not under threat. I'm not under any sort of pressure. I'm not under a different word, stress. And add to it the fact that throughout the day, you might have actually been under real stress, whether it be from demands from work, whether it be from your time at the CrossFit gym, and the lack of time in recovery afterwards, where you just literally got up, left the workout, and went on to the next thing to have dinner with a friend without even giving your body time and space to relax, these all play to your body being in sympathetic tone for longer than it should be. And it causes things like chronic fatigue. It causes things like increased blood pressure. It causes things like shortness of breath, because guess what? Your mouth breathing because when you're in that fight or flight or freeze state, you're operating from a place where you're probably not taking deep, long breaths through your nose. Now, the first time I noticed this in my life where shortness of breath was when I was actually on Wall Street. I remember I would wake up in the morning and I would be mouth breathing. And I knew that I had some level of shortness of breath, but I never associated it with anxiety. I just associated it with Maybe I shouldn't have had the food I did as late as I did the night before. Or maybe, you know, if that time I was out maybe two times, three times a week having a beer or having a glass of wine, and those things contributed towards, you know, poor health in more than one way. But I, I had associated that there were other things causing the symptoms that I was facing of this lower level anxiety, which was putting me on the path to burnout. And that's the key is that. Again, unlike a broken leg where it's very obvious and it's very clear, anxiety, especially these lower level forms, can creep up over time. And then all of a sudden, it literally just, it feels like it blindsides you right from the side, like a pile of bricks hits you in the face. And all of a sudden, you're in real burnout. You have no motivation to do anything. 
your headspace is not in the right place. Your mentality is not in the space where you are actually focused on the right things to bring yourself back to health because you focused on the wrong things for so long. And that's why I started my six core pillars to basic health because I actually found that although I had left Wall Street and moved into this new season of my life where I was having more autonomy and I had ability to travel and do things freely, the lack of boundaries, the lack of structure actually created more chaos. And because I didn't know what to do to be hyper-effective and I had a huge learning curve to go up, which I'm still on, you know, I had to really narrow in on, well, what is going to, regardless of a job, career, life transition, what is going to be consistent for me to sustain my health over the duration of my life, no matter what I'm doing? And that was the six core pillars. And I started implementing that in my own life and saw meaningful changes. I started addressing what were my true priorities. And then that allowed me to work more effectively. And then I started showing clients, hey, this is something that's really powerful. We need to start implementing this. These are the basics. We need to get back to basics. Forget about all the other things around purpose and, and future vision, the person you want to be. We need to know what are your priorities. If you're not sleeping at night, but you're trying to figure out how to make a difficult decision in your life, well, your head is not going to be in the right place to think clearly. Anxiety, we think, is a mentality. It's a, you know, a place from our headspace that we struggle with. But the reality is for so many of us, it lies in this physical realm where we can actually take steps to change it if we focus on our diet, our sleep, and our exercise. And in that process, recovery, active rest, reflection, and connection. Those are the six pillars because, and there's a seventh, which I'm not sharing for good reason, but those are the six pillars I, I do share because those are holistically things that we need. The main ones that people aren't thinking about, especially, are the ones in active rest. What are you doing to engage in rest while you're still awake? That is key to bringing our body to a place where we can relieve ourselves of anxiety, remove ourselves from the stress load that we're facing day in and day out, whether it be again on your cell phone or in a conversation with somebody else live, like a coworker, or a boss, in romantic relationships, you, you know, there's all kinds of different things with family, all kinds of different things could be what we call triggers that would make you think, boom, now I'm in a state of threat, I need to be in fight or flight mode. And everything in my body changes, hormonal levels change, my adrenaline, my cortisol, all these different things start changing, my blood flow starts getting constricted, my digestion starts to slow down and I, and I don't process properly. All these things start happening physically when we're not paying attention to our body and the effects on our body from this anxiety. So I want to just preface everything with the fact that this is not necessarily something that only lives in the mind, but it it truly is a lifestyle change that requires time and space for us to actually make a real change. Now, I'll also mention about anxiety that we really have to focus and pay attention to the fact that we have control. And not only do we have control, because that's where this whole thing started, right? Where I said, you know what? We have to understand that we have control over this thing. Not only do we have control in our physical lifestyle and our ability to support our bodies in a healthy way, but we have control over our mind. 
And we have with control over our mind by the choice that we make of how we receive anxiety. We have the choice to believe whether this thing is a bad thing that needs quote unquote treatment, which by the way, for some of you, and if this is you, if you have the higher level, the more severe cases of anxiety, yes, there's nothing wrong with going to see somebody, a therapist, a counselor, you know, a life coach, a health coach, somebody who's qualified, who has, who has proven work in either overcoming this themselves or working with other people who have overcome it, ideally both, there's nothing wrong with that. However, what we can't ignore in that process is the fact that you have choice and ownership over your mind. You have choice as to how you perceive anxiety. How is anxiety running your life? Are you letting it operate you or are you choosing to use it to operate from a place of this is normal and I'm going to see this as a motivator, a driver for me? Now, one of the problems is when we abuse anxiety in this sense. So I'm careful to draw the fine line that we can't see anxiety as a reason to drive ourselves into the ground where we neglect our health, for example. However, we can see anxiety as something that can fuel us. We can see it as a signal. We can see it as a reason for change. And I'll give you a very practical example. When you're, for example, in, I'm talking the lower levels of anxiety, you're in the workplace, you're working on a task or an assignment that is not you. It's just not what you're made to do. I call it working outside your lane. And you find yourself in a state of anxiety because now you're spending an hour, two hours, maybe three or longer doing something that you just really don't enjoy. You don't get joy from. One of the best things that we can do in that moment is first recognize the fact that we might be building anxiety through that non-active muscular tension, through the posture that we take, more curved posture, leaning over, mouth breathing, different things. And once we start recognizing that there's that voice in our head that has us on that hamster wheel that feels like we're trapped, that's the moment right there. That's when we say, oh, I'm aware. And once you're aware, this is the process of transformation, then it's time to accept, not suppress. Acceptance looks like saying, I get it, this is happening, and as a result, something needs to change. What is that change? Don't make it complicated. Physically get up out of that seat or wherever you're at and go for a walk. It's proven that just simply moving breaks us from that, what feels like this never-ending hamster wheel or that headspace. We're changing environments and that environment externally can help you change your environment internally, whether it be through a new trigger, a new cue, something else happening around you, it can actually relieve the stress and the pressure. What I will say I would suggest not doing is maybe picking up your phone or doing something else that's going to send a new trigger that'll send you into a worse spiral. My wife and I call it the swirl. You don't want to go into the swirl. The swirl is that place where it's a never-ending cycle of you, you feel like you have no control, you feel like you're wasting your day, you feel like you're powerless in the situation. And in order to break the swirl, you really have to take ownership over not just your mentality, but your body, and you have to change the environment completely. That is number one. Without fail, that one is a no-brainer. Now, the number two way I see people best handling anxiety, and this will make a lot of sense to you. Have you ever been in a meeting 
where your mind was still in the conversation you had before the meeting. Or maybe you're on the phone, but your mind was still with the person that you just left for coffee. Or maybe you're on the phone, but your mind is still in that conversation with the person you met for coffee. A lot of times our anxiety comes from our mind being in a different place than our body. And let me give you another example. Many people come to me with the fear of uncertainty. And they say, I have the fear of the unknown about my future, about my career, about my relationship stat, about you name what. One of the most powerless postures you can find yourself in is when your body is in one place, but your mind is in another. It's misalignment, complete misalignment. And especially when it comes to you thinking about the future, but your body being in the present, you feel powerless because your body and your mind need to be aligned. So one really simple way to bring your body and your mind into alignment is simply through breathing. Now, I gave you the context of actually thinking about the sympathetic tone and parasympathetic tone. Well, this ties into place because when you start doing things like walking and now breathing, but breathing in a way where you're breathing from your diaphragm, it's called diaphragmatic breathing instead of from your chest. You're, you're focused on your rib cage expanding and contracting. You're focused on breathing through your nose, not your mouth. These are things that are sending signals to your body telling it it's not under threat. You say to your body, you are not under threat and you do not have to act like this. And you're using the power of your mind to actually bring your body physiologically, hormonally back to a state of rest. This is powerful stuff. I can give you a very simple example. I'll let you pause the podcast to do this. But all I want you to do is close your mouth, think about breathing through your nose, and then focus on expanding and contracting your rib cage. Breathe in for four counts and out for four counts through your nose. The next time, breathe in for four counts, pause at the top, breathe out for four counts. Again, all through your nose. And the last time, breathe in for four counts. Hold for four counts at the top and breathe out for four counts. Again, all through your nose. Three rounds. I promise you, if you're listening to this saying, oh my gosh, that's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough. And wow, okay, so this breathing thing, you know, I'm, I've kind of been reluctant to believe in this like mindfulness or meditation or whatever, but this is kind of making sense. I promise you, if you do this, anytime you're in a state of anxiety, you will see a change in your body. You will see a physiological change. If you do this right, you breathe in through your nose, out through your nose, you breathe through your diaphragm. In that process, you're actually taking control of your body and you bring your mind to the present. You will recognize how much control you have over the present in any circumstance. And you will choose to be in the present with a new presence of mind. It's one of the most powerful things that we can do to take control of our situation. Now, the third thing, and this is the last one I'll leave you with as far as just how to think about and relate to anxiety and overcoming anxiety, but this one really gets down to the core underlying driving beliefs that you have in your life. Anxiety is often associated with fear, and fear is a belief in a lot. And I'm not going to get too deep in it on this episode, but there's the father of lies and the father of truth. And the father of lies is filled with fear 
and the father of truth has no fear because perfect love casts out all fear. The father of truth is a father of love. If perfect love casts out all fear, then there is no fear in truth. The father of lies is filled with fear. So every lie is connected to a fear, and every fear often leads us to a place of worry or anxiety, unless we learn to embrace it as a normalcy, knowing that fear can stay here and we can continue moving forward. Meaning, we don't have to wait for fear to leave for us to take steps towards the progress and reality that we want to have. There's been several times in my life where I've had to make big changes and I wasn't able to make those changes, whether it was you know leaving my job, whether it was launching the seminar, whether it was moving across the country, whether it was getting married, there's different aspects, different things and more personal things that I'm just not ready to share. <laughs> but those are the things that I'll often talk about in my story. There's been many times where I've had to face the fear of addressing a particular reality in my life. And guess what? I was only able to move forward when I acknowledged that the fear was there and that I had to be with it, but I didn't have to let it dictate my decisions and my destiny and my future. Once we embrace it as a part of the process, everything starts to change. Once we look at things in my life and in your life, you know, one of the key aspects that I share with people when, or frameworks that I share with people when I talk with them about fear specifically is if you're looking at your life and you're trying to decide what to do with this or that or the other, and you think about something that's good for you, better for other people, and you're afraid of it, that's exactly what you need to go for. And oftentimes, for example, this is a really practical one, but guess what? Sometimes setting a boundary in a relationship is good for you and better for that person because nobody in their life has actually ever set a boundary with them. And guess what? It often leaves you afraid to take that initial step and have that confrontation because of the fear that something negative might happen to you. Well, our confidence comes from embracing negative emotions. We could talk about that on another podcast episode, but our confidence coming from embracing negative emotions, example, like an emotion that might be evoked from a fear, a trigger, a thing that might lead to anxiety or worry, that embracing, that acceptance is part of the process that leads us to action. Awareness, acceptance, action, and accountability is the process of transformation. Many of us are not aware of the things that we need to be aware of. We have blind spots, which leaves us unable to accept things for how they are because we've avoided what we need to address, which leaves us in this state of inaction or trying to do things, taking action on things that aren't helping us make the change you want to see. That's why we live in our reality, feeling powerless or trapped or unable to fully express ourselves or assert ourselves in a healthy way or have healthy boundaries or get paid, frankly, for what we ought to be paid for or there's a number of different ways that this could look to actually take the risk to start the business that you have a dream for to um, really go out there and grow the business that you have. I mean, there's so many ways that this takes place, but it all comes back to fear and how we let fear dictate our mindset. We let fear dictate our decisions and it dictates our destiny. And so you have to come back to the reality that you have choice over how you interpret the meaning you give to something like anxiety. You have choice in how you perceive that. And my hope is by the end of this podcast episode, you now can walk away from this and you can say, 
by, okay, what TJ was talking about in that episode totally resonated with me. But more importantly, this is what I'm going to do about it. This is the area of my life that I have anxiety in. And the reason I have anxiety is because it's a priority for me to change it and I'm not doing anything about it. If you haven't listened to the number one most listened to podcast episode priorities, I would go listen to it because I found that, and I'll leave you with this, anxiety often comes from unaddressed priorities. Anxiety often comes from unaddressed priorities. So go take care of those priorities. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe, rate, review, share with a friend who might benefit from listening. You guys are awesome. And I'm looking forward to this next season. Appreciate you. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate your time, energy, and attention. The best thing that you can do if you got value is share this episode with someone, family, friend, coworker, client, anybody that you think would also get value. If you want to stay in touch with me, go ahead to visit my website, tjloeffler.com, T-J-L-O-E-F-F-L-E-R.com. And there you can sign up to get messages from me, including show notes, subscription to the podcast, weekly letters that I write just honestly, authentically about what's going on in my life or private events that I'm hosting, etc. And the last thing that I'll say is if you really got value out of this season in particular, Back to Basics, my book is going to be available. Corepillars.com, C-O-R-E, pillars, P-I-L-L-A-R-S.com is going to be the place that you can be directed to get access to that book. If you're wanting to go deeper into the subject that we're talking about today, if you just want to have it on hand, it's really meant to be a timeless piece for people to revisit when they need to kind of get balanced. I want you to get more out of your life by doing less than you think. So I've hope that that's a succinct way for you to do that. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. That's all for now. Until next time.